Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks in the world who are on a mission to obtain freedom. What is freedom? We're about to find out. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited entrepreneur who has been chasing freedom her entire life. Beside me is my co-host, Jackie Asel, the anchor who keeps me grounded. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to another episode of Clock Out the Vicarious Life. Today is super exciting for me because I get the honor and the privilege of interviewing not only a family member, but one of the most badass women that I have had the honor to meet so far thus far in my life and my travels. Anto Miller, as we we affectionately call her, she's going to give her full name because just like her, very extra (laughs) and extravagant, Um, we will definitely get to to that part of it. But this is also special because it's my first traveling podcast. Today I got, uh, I took a trip down to Sheridan, Wyoming, and I'm at the headquarters of Bonafide uh, Food Truck Headquarters. We call call it the World Headquarters of Bonafide Food, uh, which of course Bonafide stands for a lot of things in our life, but it is our glorious compound that serves as our personal home, um, a residence for our family, a home base for our business, which is a food truck and catering company, and also uh, some Airbnb on the side. So it's an interesting conglomeration. It is all of that, and it's magical. I Just a quick overview of the setting, which I'll have some pictures to post on here as well, but it is uh, Gypsy Camp is what she defined the Airbnb space as, and it is just that. It's like this magical, colorful, just all of the feeling and experience walking through it. It feels like you are in just that, a gypsy camp. And then you step out and there's hammocks and just flowers and plants and all of the greenery and uh, all the different chairs. Like I I looked around and I'm like, gosh, how am I going to sit in all of these chairs over the next two (laughs) days? I want to sit in all of these spaces. And then you roll out to the side and there's a teepee an act like a functioning TP that you guys utilize for I use it year round um, I host new moon and full moon ceremonies um, in the winter time it's an amazing place to just fire up the wood stove and and read a book or have tea with the girls it just makes for a nice place to be out and uh, get centered it has a sand floor in there so we like to call it the family grounding spot Oh, and it's it has that feeling. It has uh, this whole entire, I, you call it a compound that has kind of a negative <laughs> connotation to me. So I'm like, well, that sounds like I'm trapped here. No, this is heaven. I never want to leave. <laughs> it, is a, it is a sanctuary. That uh, is it. That's know. the word. I told Brian, I said, it's technically not a compound until we have a 12-foot fence. But <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I mean, you guys, and, and a fence would never, like, these guys don't have locks here. There's not, a, I mean, there's not a lock. Everything is open. And there are, I think, eight people that are living here. And there's numerous other people traveling in and out that are all treated as family uh, it's heaven to me because there's dogs everywhere everyone has their pets and it's Every, everyone has a pet and for the most part all the pets get along we tell people if you're not an animal person this is not the location for you <laughs> um, and we we're not unapologetic about that so yeah. uh it's like, hey, we, we love our animals, and there's a, there's a plethora of them in every shape and size. Yes, including <laughs> a couple pigs in the back. That's I, I, My daughter, Grace, 13, she's here with us on this trip, and she is an absolute heaven out there playing with the dogs, the pigs. The, you go around the side, there's a pool. I mean, it's just every, every square inch of this place is some sort of a different experience or somewhere to sit and just be, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to bring Anto onto the show. She's an amazing business entrepreneur, but 
I mean, that that's that's not who she is. She is so much more than that. And so this interview, I'm so excited to see some of the inner workings inside, very spiritual. Um, and I, I've, I've been around Anto in person. This is probably my third or fourth time. It's crazy for as much time has gone by. And thank goodness for social media that we're able yes. to share a close family connection and sharing experiences. But the distance that we live doesn't make for seeing you in person. And so, yeah, I think this is only like the fourth time. Yes. And speaking of family shared connection, so that is how I know Anto. I am so fortunate that I was brought into her family because we each married a Miller boy, <laughs> as, <laughs> as she likes to say. I married the, mm, I, we'll call him the more calm but capable one. And she married the very energetic. Um, and power, we call him Brian Miller, the powerhouse. That's yes. Brian Miller, everybody. Yes. <laughs> and he is just like my husband. He, I mean, it's, it's uncanny how much we have in common for that. I mean, I'm building a business back in Butte that's real estate oriented and it comes with so many mechanical and construction projects and needs. And here Brian has built this entire quote unquote compound for you. And um, she, she said yesterday when, when we showed up, she's like, yeah, I just asked, I said, you know what? I would really like to have insert request and boom, magically, there it is. There's Brian. <laughs> Brian, I give him a vision and he makes it happen. And it really is a, a dynamic and really special thing that we share uh, to just be able to combine that creativity and vision that it takes to build something like this, but then actually have someone who is capable of physically building it. Um, and I've learned so much, uh, you know, alongside him and just really working together to make all these fun things come together. Yes. So tell me about those fun things. I mean, there's so much more to just a food truck. That's what Bonafide is, is it started out as a food truck, but give me the story, give me the history, where are you at now? Which is funny, not a lot of people know. Um, I am a many years master chef. I've had the great privilege of working for some of the global elite and doing some really special things like the 2008 Olympics and, uh, you know, just traveling globally for some mega star people, that style of cooking. But our food truck company, the vision for a food truck was actually Brian's. Um, what? I we, did not know that. Yes. We uh, had worked together in private service. Um, I had been working for some high-end clients in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And at that time, Brian was the wrestling coach in Whitehall. And we... Uh, we were sort of at a parting of ways where it was like, I'm not going to move to Whitehall to be the wrestling coach's wife. And um, <laughs> you have a really, you know, you're really into your career and what you do. And I respect that. And so um, Brian, of course, said, I will come do whatever you do, whatever you do. And he jumped right in to being a hospitality person, even though he had no experience in that. And we managed dude ranches and all of his engineering and mechanical and construction capabilities, of course, came in so perfectly in that type of environment. Um, and we did that for the first six years that we were married. We worked at a couple of different dude ranches. We had an amazing um, time. Um, and then we ended up moving to Sheridan in private service to a family. And we were, uh, Brian was the ranch and facilities manager, and I was um, a state housekeeper, gardener, and private chef. So lots of hats that we wore out of that position. And we just really began to realize that working that hard for someone else wasn't really what we wanted at the end of the day. It was like, huh, this is easy in some fashions, but um, 
kind of jokingly, we called it the beautiful prison. Like you get to live in this multi-million dollar estate, but it's not your estate. And yeah. They're not your things. Um, there are parameters to that lifestyle. Yes. Um, and so when we decided that we were going to do something else, I had asked Brian, I said, hey, for the, babe, for the last six years, we've done what I do. Like, and you've been a, a team player, you know. So what do you, what do you, would you want to do? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, let's open a food truck. I was like, what? There's no way he just said that. And and he was like, you've been watching way too much Food Network television up here on top of this mountain. Um, You know, food truck is hard work. And what a lot of people don't know about the food trucking industry. Now, if you live in a big city like Los Angeles or Phoenix, um, and you have hundreds of thousands of people at your disposal, then you simply can just be a food truck. Choose your days of the week or choose your special events that you're going to do. But to genuinely make a profitable living while food trucking, you have to really either chase high volume events or do catering, which catering is where the money is in this industry. And I grew up in a catering company. And so, um, you know, Brian had a vision for what he wanted his truck to serve, what he, what it wanted to be named. Uh, People ask, where did the name Bonafide come from? Uh And I said, uh, it's from the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The, okay. We were watching it one day, and the little girl says, you know, to the dad, and he's like, well, Waldrop's bonafide. Are you bonafide? And Brian <laughs> was like, what does bonafide mean? So we, you know, asked the Google machine, what does bonafide mean? And bonafide means to be real and genuine. Oh. And Brian said right away, he goes, that's what I want to name our food truck. Boom. Yeah. And then I was like, well, what do you want to serve? You know, what do you want to do? He's like, I don't know. Let's do hamburgers and I was like no everybody does hamburgers let's do something unique for our area and of course Bonafide was born with Brian's love for burritos and fresh salsa and me growing up in Arizona that was just a great combo Mm -hmm. and um, we were really lucky to have opened our company in Sheridan I feel like that was a tremendous pinnacle to our you know star power success right out the gate was that Sheridan is a community of makers and drivers and really a lot of involvement. And when we came out the gate with showing that we were really dedicated to local producers, local food, clean menus, giving back to your community, Mm -hmm. um, we just took off. And inside of two years, we got named top 50 food trucks in the United States. It was pretty pretty wild. Yesterday, (laughs) I got the, I got to peek through Rocky Mountain Bride, I think is the magazine name, right? Yeah. You guys are featured in there, you said numerous times. Yeah, this is our uh, this is our third time since the inception of that magazine, which is the bridal magazines, as far as catering goes, you know, that's a huge accomplishment to be featured in those articles. I've, I remember many years ago, just looking through any given bride's magazine at the caterer or who made the cake, and when you see those people that make it there, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, that's cr- And then Food Network? Uh, yeah, we're Food Network's top 50 food trucks in the United States, best burritos, um, best donuts in Wyoming. Lots of fun alkalods that we have had uh, come our way. A couple of other bests, um, Bell of the Ball at the Sturgis okay. Buffalo Chip, oh. uh, which is a huge accomplishment to come in. Um, you know, we're kind of... We were new there when we won our award, and people, wow. they said, bikers are never going to like salads and <laughs> uh, organic breakfast, you know? And oh, no. 
I can attest to that not being true. So 2019, I believe, is I went to my first Sturgis, and we, we basically got to live at your camp. It was, and I didn't know what that meant because I didn't know what Sturgis. I had no clue what to expect. <laughs> like, I was so overwhelmed. And then I hadn't got to see your guys' operation either. And I thought, what? We, wait, we're going to camp with the food truck? Like, what does that mean? And what a, like, finely oiled machine the entire operation was. And those lines, I was just so grateful to be able to kind of go to the side. And be right, like, hey, to get the back I? door special, yeah. as we call it, where family's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I'm not waiting behind those 500 people. Yeah, because <laughs> the, the lines, they just didn't stop. And, I mean, we, we didn't need anywhere else because there was no need to. It was amazing. And these guys, I mean, the whole operation is is family. And it doesn't matter blood means nothing. Right. Nothing. I mean, every worker, every helper, every family member's friend, family was, I mean, just the hospitality was through the roof. It was an amazing experience. Uh, My friend, Randy Clayton, he still talks about it constantly. And he's so depressed. We haven't gone back to Sturgis yet for you guys. He doesn't care about the rest of the show. It's you guys. (laughs) Well, I told him he should have come to my 50th birthday party this year. He probably will. Um, but it is one of the greatest things. And uh, last year, we were so lucky to have uh, one of my really talented friends, Avery Almond, uh, who's a beautiful photographer and videographer. Um, she made a little mini documentary, and you can see it off via our website um, onto the YouTube link. But it really just, that particular video is such a good description of what it Bonafide is. Um, every person, be yes. they blood family or not, uh, just gave their little second about yes. what it was it like and what was it like to work for us. And well, yes. like you were saying too, we strive at Bonafide. It's not about selling you a burrito. Mm-hmm. It is about sharing an experience with you. Do you enjoy coming in and seeing all the pretty flowers and yes. the brightly bright colors and being treated like family. I mean, we have a couple of clients that have been coming to see us for years and we razz them like you would your brother where, you know, um, (laughs) and you develop a relationship with not just nourishing people, but also nurturing people. It's all about that community wherever we are. We call it food love. Mm -hmm. That's our, our concept is that if you come hang out with Bonafide, whether you're staying at our house or visiting or see us somewhere on the road, uh, we're going to make you feel like family, and we hope you enjoy it, and we're probably going to feed you something generous. <laughs> the, uh... It's true. It's very true. <laughs> I've never not been stuffed here. <laughs> but, it, it, but it doesn't feel stuffed. It feels nourished. Like you said, that word, it feels, I mean, because everything is so clean and organic, and I mean, I just, I wish I lived right next to you. I would never eat anywhere right. else. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have... Um, Sadly, right now, we have so many people who are like, when are you guys getting back on the street? I need my Honda salad. <laughs> so we're, it's, it's a, a joy to be in demand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite part about the business? I would have to say the people. It's getting to meet the people, share in their experience, whatever it is. If we're doing daily truck service here in town, um, you know, we have some of our elderly gentleman or regular clients who you know when you see his pickup roll up that he's going to order uh, black coffee with, you know, a chorizo burrito and spicy salsa. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, it's going to be great. And, or celebrating weddings like we did yeah. yesterday or community events where you're out fundraising for people. There's just a lot of, we try to share all of those experiences and that is my most favorite part. 
Yeah, I, I was last night. I was kind of eavesdropping, listening in. And for you guys that are that are listening, like it's hard to describe the the environment that we're sitting in. But there's just there's people that everybody knows each other so intimately, and they're all just sitting around talking about the great night that they had last night. And we're guests. We just got in from Butte, you know, later in the day. And the the catering crew is coming in. They're unloading. Everybody's helping except for me because I'm bullshitting with Anto here because <laughs> I'm so excited. But anyway, and the, the story when we sat down and everybody was done working finally, that's what Anto said, you know, how, how did it go? What did they think? And it was really neat to hear Anto said that that bride's mother had been just so persistent in trying to get these guys, these guys only for for service to be able to make it a perfect wedding. It was her dream. And I think that woman would have sold us her dog if it would have <laughs> meant me saying yes, you know, but she had been to an event of ours and shared an experience that was just over the top with someone else's wedding. And a few years later, she just knew that we would be the perfect fit with their family and the entire experience. And, um, I always say persistence pays off in yep. whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, I haven't ever had a client pursue us quite to that level, but it was really, it was an honor at the end of the day. And when Brian said that she cried, you yep. know, that lets us know you delivered their vision. Yes. You were a part of their dream experience. And that being able to create that and share that with people really is one of the most rewarding parts of being um, that type of a caterer or someone who provides a service or experience like that. Yeah. And it was clearly reciprocated because they wanted pictures with you guys after as part of their, their memory. I mean, their wedding, what bet, what bigger experience do you have as a milestone in life that you want to capture? And they want their caterers (laughs) part of that. So I mean, it was was a great story. It's fabulous. Um, okay. So moving in, we'll go back a little bit in time. I, in observation of you and your operation and how things work, like it takes a certain somebody to run a business. I mean, the entrepreneur mindset is its own thing, but on top of that, the extreme work ethic, the the drive, the go, 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 like where did you learn that from? Um, you know, we like to call it an inherited dysfunction from my parents. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are, I, you know, have had the privilege to work for some really global pioneers of drive like Phil Knight of Nike Corporation and um, some real powerhouse people in the Compass group. And what I find in talking to all of these other business people is like, how did you grow up? And it's either a 50-50 split. They either had insanely workaholic parents in which they inherited their traits Uh or they had really lazy parents and they were like, I will not be anything like that and I will do something completely different. Um, for me, it came from the slave driver work ethic as we still like to joke with my mom. Um, our family literally refers to them as working vacations. Um, we go to, to see one another generally for some big occasion for many years. My mom, um, owned a really beautiful restaurant and catering company and, uh, annually they would do this big event for 225 horseback trail riders, in the middle of the desert somewhere in Arizona or California. It would move every year. And and all the time that Brian and I have been together, and for years before that, whether we were working a seasonal job or we had another job, we would actually take paid time off or oh take time off to go work yep. like as a family. And so <laughs> it just becomes ingrained as a part of sure. what you do. You support one another. You give a hundred percent or plus that to making something happen. Um, 
I think you'll find when talking to most any entrepreneur, they will tell you, uh, for as many self-help books get sold on make a million dollars in 25 minutes, um, that's not reality. It takes work, be that mind work, office work, Mm -hmm. physical labor, networking, all of the components are uh, an important and integral part of that drive. Right, right. Absolutely. What was your, aside from being worked to death, I mean, <laughs> would you describe your family as loving? I mean, was it a pretty, I mean, I can't imagine it not being with how you are, but tell me yes, about that. Yes, I am so, I am so lucky to come from an eclectic and happy family. Um, you know, we were, my dad is the oldest, one of the oldest of 12. And so wow. um, I'm the oldest of 52 first cousins. Oh um, and we grew up having big family Thanksgivings, big birthday parties on the Colorado River and, uh, you know, water skiing and having a giant barbecue and And everybody always pitching in on whatever part that was, you know, as kids, it was like, oh, it was our job to cut the watermelon and make sure that they stayed cold by the river or did the next thing. And then as you moved up in the age echelon, it was like, help make sure that there's enough paper plates and napkins and the things and somebody grabbed the barbecue sauce. And then before (laughs) you know it, you know, you're a 15 year old culinary student and all your uncles are like, hey, Anto, you want to grill the chicken? (laughs) <laughs> and part of you is like, I think I'm being duped right now. Yeah. But <laughs> is this a privilege or is this? But the other part, of course, is the tremendous honor to be like, yes, I get to feed my family and participate and yeah. um, just have a lot of fun. And so I grew up with food and entertainment and family all being a really integral part of uh, just adventuring and growing up. Um, my mom always had a garden. Uh-huh. We always had animals. Um, even growing up right downtown Central Phoenix, uh, my parents had a city block that had been grandfathered as agriculture. And so um, even in elementary school and in high school, we were the weird kids with like a cow and goats and 4-H sure. pigs. Um, when I was in elementary school, other elementary students used to come to our house for a farm tour to like oh gosh, get to fun. meet a chicken or, you know, pet a <laughs> pony, that kind of stuff. So... We've, I've always had a really joyous family experience that also included, you know, even growing up downtown in a big city, we still had chores. None of my other friends had to like muck out the corral or go get eggs, you yeah. know? <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so crazy. Like I, I'm always so fascinated with the people that recreate their childhood or take a total, like you said, they go totally the opposite way. Like you've literally recreated that. Here. Yes, there's and, all of the things. And sometimes I ask myself, like, why do you have 9,000 plants and 400 pets? And yeah. like, you know, you could just, I have a friend who lives what's called the spare life and they have nothing extra. They oh. just live, but they don't, they don't have a pet because that's extra. And they don't have like a lot of clothes or decorations or accessories. They uh-huh. live kind of sparsely and they have a lot of experiences, uh-huh. but not a lot of the stuff that like, you have to arrange for having three cats and four dogs and sure. stuff when you leave. Or yeah. same, when I get a house sitter, I'm like, can you water 87 <laughs> plants? Like, And here's the directions on how much for each. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we, when we go out of town, um, we actually hire a farm sitter, like a woman who comes, and she does all the things. Yeah. She, like, makes sure 
all the stuff is covered, you know? Yeah, because that is not an exaggeration, guys. There is, like, every single direction you turn, there is a different plant. And they're all alive, which that shocks me because I can't keep a cactus alive. But, I mean, it's just, it's so vibrant and green. And there's, I mean, I, I was walking by, just taking a tour of the property. I'm like, oh, is this a cactus? Like, did you take this from Arizona? And she's like, nope, that's actually metal. But it's a piece, <laughs> of, a piece of Texas, you know, that she had to bring back. I mean, it's just... It's just the most amazing setting that you've created. And wow, thank you so real. much. Not a plastic plant in the place. No, there's, <laughs> <laughs> which sometimes, like I said, I, I love it 98% of the time and mm-hmm. 2% of the time I'm like, oh my God, do you have to have another something? As I'm going past the plant section in Home Depot, my part of me is like, <laughs> oh, look at how pretty that vine is. And Brian will be like, don't think about it. Nope. The, <laughs> <laughs> um, so. So one of the other fascinating things about me or about you that uh, I've been dying to ask you about is your spirituality. Brandon, before I ever got the opportunity to meet you, he goes, oh, he's like, you're going to love Anto. She's super spiritual like you, but not like you. (laughs) I've never quite understood what that meant. Um, But, you know, for the, because this is an audio, I don't have video. Anto is about, I'm going to guess five foot nothing. Yeah. So, and she is just this dynamic ball of energy and vibrance and she's covered from almost head to toe in tattoos every time you see her she's got very huge large usually beaded type of jewelry I would guess Native American background I mean feathers and they're extra just so extra everything about her is just amazing so tell me about your spirituality because I'm assuming that comes from family it does I um my grandfather on my father's side uh was the actual tribal leader of our uh, nation for a while and we're Chiricahua Apache and Yaqui Indians from southeastern Arizona um it uh it was a big part of my childhood to go to powwow and experience those things um but like so many indigenous people of uh, certain generations, um, a lot of tradition wasn't practiced in our homes because it wasn't um, socially acceptable. So like my grandfather and his brothers all went away to um, Indian and boarding schools where they had their hair cut and you're asked not to speak your language. And um, a lot of, uh, you know, indigenous uh, assimilation was done there. And so as I was a teenager and looking at, um, you know, how did I feel about the Catholic religion? We grew up traditionally Catholic. Uh, it wasn't really my jam. I was like, yeah, this doesn't really, guilt-based religion doesn't suit me too much. Sure. Um, but I had always found my peace and my sanctity in nature and our animals, growing up with horses and just, you know, um, the beauty of the sun rising and the moon and the stars and all of the things. And, and then my mom is definitely uh, a little bit of a, a hippie for sure. You know, so <laughs> yep, we, we had, uh, you know, a, just a really nature based yeah. childhood, I guess you could say it would be the best part of it. And so, um, I've been married a couple times. I've had some pretty interesting health things happen to me. I've had the great privilege to travel kind of all over the world and have a lot of adventures. And I just find that as on a spiritual level, being really ingrained with my native heritage and, uh, you know, worshiping the sun and the moon and the stars and the, and the bird on the wing, uh, gives me a sense of peace in the very chaotic life that I choose. Cause I love to be busy and yeah. do all of those things. It's nice to have 
a faith that brings you back to having something to ground in and refer to for strength and reference, be that um, generational knowledge for healing. Um, I have practiced a lot of energy healing my whole life. I feel like it's a gift that I was born with. Um, but that you'd really have to work to experience. And at one point in time, I was a professional massage therapist and energy worker. I, uh, I think I've had like 9,000 jobs. The, <laughs> Most uh, entrepreneurs do. <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> but all of that wrapped together is just that real spiritual belonging of tribe, what I like to call it. And in the last couple of years, it has um, morphed into... Uh, being a motivational speaker and uh, sort of spiritual base for a group of women's motorcyclists called Ride Wild. Uh, and that's a whole, you know, for some more conversation, just spirituality in general, that being grounded, allowing yourself to be in the moment in your experience, whether you're smack in the middle of a city or out in the wilds of Wyoming or Montana, um, being able to reference back to the grounding you get from a natural environment or being free to just be a human being in the world. You don't, there's no uh, religion tied up in it, I guess you could say. No rules, no correct There's no rules, there's no shame, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, It's really just being in the now, which again is a a Buddhist precept where I'm like, Uh my spirituality is a whole bunch of things all glommed together into one. (laughs) But like totally unapologetically though, there is not a, there's nothing unauthentic. Is that a word? Inauthentic. There's nothing that is not authentic about you. Kind of like parallel parking. If you can't say the word, you just pick a new word. So right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like everything about you is, is true. And and you can feel I'm, I'm a little sensitive to energy, you know, and being around you is just, it's like a warm blanket. I don't know if you've noticed the last two days, like I'm always sitting next to you because I just need that boost of, of warmth and, and positive energy. And it just, it radiates out of you. You can feel it a mile away. Thank you so much. I, I, I love that. And over the years, many people have said, Anto, you just have this light. You have a radiance. And, you know, I tell people, if people ask me, well, what do you know about blah, blah, blah? And if I don't know, I'm like, I don't know. There's a book. We can figure it out together. So much of my um, spiritual journey has been through life experience. Um, Often when you experience that real depth of magic that happens from something transformational, it's because you have allowed yourself to be present in your experience. And when there is no logical answer, when you can't be like, well, this happened because X, Y, Z, um, you begin to trust that there are greater workings in the universe, that so many things are so magically connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you call it magic or, or however people choose to reference it, mm-hmm. it's becoming an awareness, um, especially I think post-pandemic, people realize sort of what vibration you resonate on. Yes. And that's what I tell people. I said, I am a vibrational person and I'm a high vibe person. Mm-hmm. And you'll, people are either drawn to it and they want it and they want more of it. Yep. Or it's not their jam and they don't. And it's, that's the thing I love about it the best. Yeah. So. Oh, it's, it's, you would love Jen DeLong. She was my first girl that I interviewed. We talked about all of this, but she used the same, she uses literally the exact same language, but her word is God, you know, cause okay. she grew up with, God and a different, it's, it's so fascinating. I've never been somebody that's been overly interested in spirituality growing up because it was absent in my life. I had none of it. We didn't go to church Sunday school and it was just kind of a mystery. And because I didn't have it, I didn't understand it. And then I avoided it because 
you know, oh, I don't know, and I was afraid of, you know, doing something wrong or breaking a rule or whatever it may be. And boy, the last couple of years, it's just been, it's been so amazing to be, to meet people like yourself and realize like, oh, I've, I've just become connected to, you know, spirituality, to whatever it is. And for me, I say the universe. Yes. I, I don't know what you're. I, I do. I often, well, I say, um, Esheshui is great spirit in my tribal language. And when I offer up prayers, we always say, Esheshui, Esheshui Antontonka, which is um, to God in honor of, you know, the great bison and uh-huh. to God, to, to creator. I do believe that there is, we're all these beautiful particles of this wonderful universe that are magically connected. And um, I do have faith in that there is some higher power out there, whatever you call it. Right. For any and each of us, uh, you know, how people always laugh or ask me, and so how did you get to be whatever? And I was like, well, I was raised a Catholic that went to Baptist Bible school. Um, I almost became a Mormon as a teenager because I was so intrigued by my Mormon friends and all of their <laughs> magic power ring and special underwear and like all the like <laughs> where just, you know, there's so many different um, concepts and, and yeah. precepts out there and so many different styles of faith. Yes. Uh, but I always say whatever works for you in in giving you that individuality to feel that you one have self-love and love yourself because you have faith that something greater was in the process or in the working of your life that just having a positive mindset and good energy allows good energy to reciprocate and yep. return to you uh it's a pretty basic concept. It's like be a good human yeah, and good go. things will happen. Bingo. Like it's pretty <laughs> I got that. <laughs> right. So this, I guess, ties nicely into I think your next adventure. I don't know if it's and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure if you're working on it yet, if it's already there or if it's in the works, but motor evangelist. Um <clears throat> even star moto evangelist uh-huh. um was a concept that sort of came to be about a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. Um, I, Brian had bought me a motorcycle for our 10th wedding anniversary and I bebopped around on it for the first year or so and got sort of comfortable. And then last summer, um, I was invited to speak, um, at a women's motorcycle conference down in Durango, Colorado. Beautiful. And, um, at that point in time, I was talking about, um, the power of the spirituality of motorcycles for women. It's one of the fastest growing parts of the motorcycle industry right now is women in moto um, in the many different facets that that entails from your average cruiser who buys a you know bike and rides with her husband or her girlfriends all the way up to real prevalence of um, women really shifting the industry in engineering and racing and community building. Uh-huh. Um, so I got invited to go down to do this thing, and I was like, man, I needed a name. My own name is really hard. I think earlier we were talking yeah. about what my whole name is. Uh, Antonia Evenstar, which is my given native name. Uh, my last name, Armenta, and then hyphened with my lovely married name on there, Miller. <laughs> that, and, is, that is a lot. <laughs> um, so it makes for a mouthful. And a friend of mine was like, Anto, what are you going to – what do you want to be? Who are, Well, I'm like, I'm just me. Do I, I have to be a something? And she was like – well, yes, we have to think of a something that you, you know, what's a title for who you are in this capacity because you are so many things, right? Yeah. You're a master chef, you're a food trucker, you're, you know, an adventurer, you're an author, you do like all these things. But in uh-huh. this capacity, what do you want to be called? And I was like, well, 
I would say that I'm like a moto-evangelist. I'm just out here <laughs> preaching the gospel of the open road, you know? Yeah, that's um, awesome, though. And because I'm not in a religious connotation. Sure. But I've always loved the old-fashioned, uh, you know, the tent revival where the guy's like, this is the best thing ever, <laughs> and you are going to be saved, you know? Yeah, I mean, how do you not get jacked just hearing that? I'm right? Like, I'm in. So, right, whether they're talking about, you know, crossing the River Jordan with Moses or um, being a bunch of women that are going to get together for a motorcycle weekend, I felt like the term moto-evangelist was the best description of myself. Totally. And, um, and then Even Star being my middle name, um, you know, you go through things in life and transition. And in the last couple of years, the food trucking business um, was tremendously challenging with COVID and cancellations. And um, we went from our record-breaking banner year in 2019 uh, to, you know, near bankruptcy in 2020 right. and 2021. And literal only determination and the ability to entrepreneur your way through it which is like pivot we're gonna sell groceries pivot we're gonna do deliver box lunches pivot we're gonna travel to texas pivot we're gonna you know yeah. um <clears throat> and doing all those things i had a friend who said anto there's paid speaking engagements out there and you have a story that other women want to hear yes. you do things that other people want to do and i had never thought about like mm -hmm. talking about being an adventure motorcyclist or sure. being a, a self-driven woman entrepreneur as a way to do something like that. But alas, here we are in the world of <laughs> entrepreneurs. And um, when you don't have the answer, someone else will give it to you. That's right. And that's how Even Star Moto Evangelist was born. Um, and in company with my girlfriend, Kelly Yazdi, we uh, have a group called Ride Wild. Mm -hmm. And we host women's motivational events mm -hmm. nationwide. Uh, we're sponsored by Polaris and Indian Motorcycles. So... Uh, women get to ride Indians. They get to go on Polaris snowmobiles, Polaris Fun. OTVs and um, ATVs. Like we do all sorts of, if it has a throttle, we're going to encourage you to come out and find your excitement, excitement and, and sisterhood, you know? Uh, and then doing that all year last year, basically from 2019 through now, we've been hosting events, um, you know, with COVID, business stress, all of the things. Um, last year at Sturgis, we had just finished uh, a crazy 10-day drive of just, you know, trying to break the bank, make the money, do the thing. And I had had, 2021 had been a very stressful year for a number of reasons. We had some family trauma happen and, you know, residual financial stress. Uh, the stress for Brian and I of being a spouse that also lives and works together yeah, every day, all stress. day, 365. That has its whole own level of stress. And um, I was turning 49 and my daughter asked me, she said, mama, what do you, what do you really want for your 49th birthday? And I said, I want to take a break. What a big ask in your shoes. Right? Where you're like, this is, but I, I need it. I have to do this. And so I said to all of them, I said, I'm going to commit to putting myself first for once. In 49 years, I, I need a break. And I said that that day. And there wasn't a capacity to like, what was the break going to be? And then the next day, we all went to the lake as a family. 
and just took a minute to chill and decompress a little bit before we have to pack up the show, which you know what the show looks like. It's yep. a yep. huge outdoor kitchen. It's a refrigerator semi-truck full of groceries. It's 27 pop-ups. It's mm. <laughs> all the landscaping that we have here at home. I drag all the way to Sturgis every year. And so um, I sat there and I looked at my motorcycle and Brian was like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to ride my motorcycle all 50 states before I turn 50 next year. That's incredible. And um, I was, they were like, what's your plan? What are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't exactly have a plan. I'm going to figure it out. Uh, did that before you keep, did that feel like a calling or was it just kind of a desperate, I, this, this will work. I just need something. At that point in time, it was a, this will work. Okay. And there were, so I've gone out in legs on this journey. Mm-hmm. And that first leg was, was a desperate reach for what is beyond this. Mm-hmm. Here I am at the pinnacle of the mountain. I have all the things, right? I have this amazing business that requires a tremendous amount of effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an awesome husband and when it works, it works. And when it doesn't, boy, it's stressful. Um, you know, you have a, a sanctuary for your family. You've done something for your community. You've, you've hit all of these things. What is the rest that's out there? And for me, it was like, okay, I've been giving and giving and giving, but the well is dry. If I have to look at one more catering menu, order one more thing of food for 10,000 grocery list. Like I'm just over it. Yeah. And, um, I really left that late October, early November. Um, and of course being from Wyoming, I left nearly in a blizzard. I was scared for you when I saw that. (laughs) Um, yeah, there was a lot of people who were like, Anto, are you okay? Like Mm -hmm. they were making sure I hadn't like physically lost my mind because, um, I'm known for pushing myself. I have these really insane boundaries where that, most normal parameters don't apply. <laughs> Probably an understatement. To me, but yes. <laughs> um, and so uh, it was just one of those, like, I'm going to push. I only had one absolute on that whole trip. And it was like, I'm going to stay gone as long as I need to until I feel like I'm ready to turn around and go home. Mm-hmm. And I had a reservation at Junk Gypsy in Round Top, Texas. I had always wanted, I was so inspired by these two sisters that founded this company called Junk Gypsy, and they had made this beautiful business out of antiquing, junking, and have like this collector hotel. They're their whole own super cool story, right? But to stay at their place is not inexpensive. It's definitely a destination vacation, and it's in the middle of Hill Country, Texas. And so I had just given myself a certain number of days. It was like, okay, I'll have been on the road for 10-ish days at that point. I can take time, make time. Um, at the beginning of that trip, I was freezing all the way through Colorado. I rode through sleet and snow and I got to Taos, New Mexico. And I was like, who says there's no rule? You can't go stay at some four star hot springs resort. Okay. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and I did. And my, my dad was like, what is this? The the five star hotel tour. And I was like, it might be. (laughs) Don't push me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I really just took that first. It ended up being like 48 days that I uh, was out on the road before I got ready to come home. And it, there was so much that transpired on just that first leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I explored a lot. It took me till day 13 to detach from being a business owner. Yeah. Oh, I can Even though we had nothing on the calendar, I had very specifically given myself all of the freedoms. Yep. 
It took me 13 days to not be like, oh, wait, I have to check the email. I need to do yeah. this. I need to do that. I need to do the things. And just let be go. in the moment and let it go. And then once I got to that, you know, you're, you are going through emotional transition. You're going through um, so much of distance motorcycling is 100% a mind game. Mm -hmm. It's a... You're, it's you against you out there, you know. Uh, are you going to make it 300 miles? Or are you going to make it 900 miles? What's the, what's your parameter, you know? So explored a lot out there and crossed off quite a few states. Um, got hit by a car the day before Thanksgiving. A woman hit and ran me in Mobile, Alabama. And it was, you know, for some people, that could have been the end of their pursuit of all of yeah. these states. Uh, to be hit at high speed on a motorcycle for many is the caveat of like, okay, I quit. I, yeah. the very worst thing happened and I'm terrified and, and permission I'm done. Permission to quit. Yeah. Yes. Per permission to quit, which we, uh, often sometimes need something. Yeah. Um, sure. for me, it was the exact opposite. I was like, I have to get back on this motorcycle and get to where I'm intended to go. Right. And, and so I did. Uh, and then I came home for a few months and I very diligently planned my next, uh, leg out which was also a solo leg um and it was so different from the first time and that I was in a different emotional space I was in a different business space I uh what was the time between um that time for there was about three and a half months because okay. I came home uh just after Thanksgiving or actually longer than that I came home after Thanksgiving and I didn't go back out on the road until early April okay yeah. so um but still, early April, again, is springtime, mm. wild weather. Uh, I just knew. And so I flew back down to New Orleans where I had left my motorcycle. And I rode all of the southern eastern seaboard and all of the southern United States and Midwest. Uh, and came home from that. And, uh, you know, different, different things happen in life and business. And before I got ready to start my next leg... Uh, I had gotten some interesting information yeah. um, about my health. And so that just changes the whole thing. Yeah, that's, and uh, gosh, that's, I was going to wait to ask about that. I wasn't sure if you'd want to talk about it, but if you're comfortable. And we certainly don't have to write this second, but the next, you know, each leg is, is different. Um, I found out in the, in the interim process in there uh, that I had late, late stage uh, metastatic breast cancer. Um, and thank God for the motorcycle and that ability to choose, like, I don't actually want to deal with this right now. The, <laughs> um, which, you know, in our Western society and culture, it's a, it's a terrifying thing to go through. Nobody ever wants to hear the, the C word. Uh, but I did and, you know, made some choices to pursue some different types of um, holistic treatment in there along with traditional Western medicine. And uh, before I started my last, the third leg that I got to take, which was my East Coast run, um, I had actually gone uh, down to Mexico, to Baja, and uh, spent three weeks at a holistic healing center there. Um, and it was amazing. People were like, okay, you're going to come home and, you know, people think, oh, you have cancer. You need to lay down and be sick or do whatever, whatever that looks like from the outside for people. Mm -hmm. um, I did three weeks of treatment. I came home with six biopsies and stitches all over my body. Uh, Brian had packed my motorcycle and I took off two days post-treatment and rode 6,800 miles round trip. That's incredible. Uh, but with Brian by my side, it was a really, it was a really different experience to take 
my husband with me and share, we share motorcycling as a passion. Um, our whole community does, but it was a, a completely different trip than the other two had been. So each leg of my even star moto evangelist journey has really had its own resonance and has hit a different spot for healing and repair and adventure and pushing your limits and your boundaries. Um, each different one has had a really special impact. Um, I had hoped it was my goal uh, to come home after that and re-hit the road about two weeks later again and finish my last four of the lower 48 states. And then I had planned to ride Alaska immediately following my, my real birthday party. Wow. Um, but of course, you know, health is priority. Yep. Um, cancer doesn't really care what your plans are. <laughs> sure doesn't. And uh, I've had to get more aggressive with my treatment, uh, which hasn't allowed me to ride those last five states yet. Uh, but it was my rules. The cool thing about yep. being an entrepreneur <laughs> and a thing is I wasn't on anyone else's um, there wasn't a rule book to like, right. you have to ride this by this day and do this much in this state or, or any of those things. This is a hundred percent been my own parameters. And so I had to come to this personal battle with myself instead of like beating myself up and feeling like a failure that I didn't, that I got this far and I didn't finish. Right. It was that ability to like look with different eyes as an entrepreneur and, a spiritual person in the path of loving myself and healing mm -hmm. that I said, I can give myself the grace to hit this level of accomplishment at any time frame that I choose. Absolutely. So I said, instead of 50 by 50, it's, you know, 50 and 50 in this year of being 50, I am going to finish these next five States cause I'm going to get through this cancer chemo journey and, um, keep finding my way to wellness and, I have so many people supporting me on the way too yes. that, you know, uh, God forbid, worst case scenario, I was on my last leg. Somebody would probably ride along right beside me if that 100%. was my, my wish to get it done. And so I just um, allowed myself to surrender to being in the now, loving myself in this healing journey and saying, I'm going to get there. And, you know, already thinking of how do I finish well how do I write the book about this experience how do I share this with everyone else yeah. so <laughs> of course <laughs> but that I mean that kind of plays nicely into what we talked about last night which I've been so blessed to be able to have it's, it's a it's a pivotal pivotal time in my life to where I'm trying to make some transitions to slow down and I don't I haven't figured out how to do that I mean I've gone to coaching uh, I read all the books I, I I'm, I'm I'm trying to slow down. So it's been a, the universe has sent me here to speak to you kind of moment to be able to maybe get some gems from you on how to do that. Are you, has cancer forced you to slow down or is this still? It It has been a real eye opener in that the slowing down is critical. I think that last night you and I were talking about, um, you know, people who are strivers, achievers, um, for whatever reason you got yourself there, be it, uh, you know, reverse family trauma or a need to achieve. Um, we all have this push, right? And the more and more cancer has forced me to slow down, the more I have realized that my have to by this time is this imaginary precept that I have given myself of what is a bar of success? Now, for me to feel successful in a day, 
I need to have accomplished, yes. start to finish, a minimum of five things. There are some people that don't finish five things in a week. Yes. <laughs> and so in my funny. mind, I'm like, you suck and you're lazy. The, yeah. <laughs> but how judgy is that of yeah. me if their time frame of accomplishment is what suits them? They're getting what they need out of it. It produces the abundance they need or the reward at the end of the day. This concept that we give ourselves to drive 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 achieve 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 do more do more check one more box off the list look oh look at me i did 25 things today i'm a rock star but at the end of the day your brain is on burnout your you haven't had like a civil conversation with your children or god forbid actually stopped and had coffee with a friend that wasn't about work. a catering event <laughs> a work a some something you know um i have been really privileged to meet some people in the last couple of years that are very dedicated to their self-practice in that, whether it's meditation or yoga or journaling, um, just had cool, real people that showed me by example that it was okay to slow down. Yes. It was okay to love myself enough to be like, yeah, you did nothing today. Like today for me, it will be like, Day four of, I have achieved nothing, yes. but <laughs> I have achieved relaxation with my family. I have achieved actually resting my body, not being on some like, well, it's 630. And if you don't get out of bed, you're a lazy bitch. So oh, get, yeah. get <laughs> feel that. The, uh, <laughs> you know, um, the self-talk that we give ourselves where, uh, it's good to listen to your body. It's good to listen to your intuition. Um, it's okay and even better sometimes to acknowledge that your spouse, maybe they actually want to lay in bed and snore for an hour. Yeah. And instead of having to be like the, Hey honey, we're late. We have stuff to do. Yeah. Um, when there's just, really nothing to when do. There, there really isn't anything to do. Uh, to just allow yourself to be with them, listen to them, breathe, like watch, you know, watch them rest that's been an interesting thing for me is to watch my husband rest is he is he doing okay with resting or um you know he's needed it he's been exhausted too this um this cancer diagnosis is a really hard process for our entire family for everyone sure. um, my employees everyone who lives with us uh i am visibly and capably um only operating at about you know 60 percent anto speed and um, a couple of weeks ago, I actually had this ginormous blowout of an argument with my daughter, uh, which luckily we're a family that can scream and yell and then yeah. get past it. But she was like, mom, what part of you can't operate at mode 3000 for 365 <laughs> oh, days God. in a row and not burn out? Do you not understand? And I was like, wow, I just got really yelled at. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, I should listen to some of this. But what she was saying was... 1000% true, you know, and here I was having like a literal adult hissy fit, stomping, angry. I, why can't I do a thousand things right now? Cancer applies to you too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately I'm like, and, and the superhuman cape came off. Yeah. Uh, but just allowing myself the grace and the space to, to really heal so that, um, you know, I can come back 110% is a realization that you just have to give yourself. Uh, you know, I was already uh, a great cook and eating organic food and all of the stuff, but like the dedication to a cancer diet is a whole nother realm of like- That's work. 
I bought all the things. I have yeah. the crazy extruder juicer. I have the <laughs> nut cow machine. I have the dehydrator. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, and that's that's your job right now. Your yeah. job is to nourish your body and give your cells what it needs to regenerate. And and that's the best. That's the best work I can do right now yeah. is uh, is focus on that. And then same, you know, chronic entrepreneur brain. Sometimes I wish that there was like the light switch. Yes. To. Uh, to just turn it off. We should create it. Yes, we should. Yeah, yeah. See, here we go, right down the rabbit hole. Of, uh, you know, what is the magical, I'm done thinking about work, or yes. even in my darkest moments of healing and going through, uh, you know, the, the bone-crushing things that is chemotherapy. I, I am, I'm sitting there thinking, what can I do to make this better, not just for myself, but for, like, every other human that has to go through this, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think necessity is the mother of invention. Um, but sometimes it's also nice to just lay down and be soft and surrender and say, I have to do nothing right now. And just know that there's others out there that need that same permission. And when they see somebody like you surrendering, as you say, when, I mean, it's, maybe it's not surrendering. Maybe it's just acknowledging that superheroes need rest too and you can't be your best self if you don't take care of you when we we as me sees somebody like you taking taking that time it gives me permission to because I I tell myself oh I too can take a vacation and reset maybe I won't be burnt out when I come back and maybe I'll be even better than when I left and there's millions of other people not listening to this right now because it's a new podcast, but maybe someday. <laughs> and <laughs> and hopefully this. that do listen and hear that it is, um, you know, like I said, I've been fortunate. And I think it's part of the human condition that we all help one another in a way that spreads yes. that permission, that positivity. Uh, we really, I think we were talking about this last night, but we're of a generation of strivers, growers, I want to say in, in my lifetime, uh, being born in the seventies and kids into the eighties and nineties, even my daughter, where it was still, uh, you know, achievement is the level of success, Yes, but we're starting to see a huge shift post, you know, world altering pandemic, yep. um, that taking time for your family, taking time for your health and wellness. And along with that, uh, that there is also profitability and an ability to thrive and survive yes. without having to just be a physical driver right. of prosperity. Go, 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 do, do, do. Yeah, there's there's a need for the more passive side of things, which what's next, speaking of? Right? Um, you know, as we continue to look at uh, how our bona fide life evolves, um, we're very lucky to have some crew uh, that are young and motivated and food trucking is their dream. And so it's like, hey, take our beautiful brand that we have built and this reputation and run it and allow them to run the business. Uh, for Brian and I releasing that we don't actually have to be the two people in the truck on the street. Yeah. That in itself is an epiphany when you are a self-made <laughs> yes. success. You know, what does that next level of evolution look like? Um, you know, we've always, uh, been builders of things and utilize all of our resources, which, uh, has allowed us to do our little Airbnb thing here on the property, which is adorable. I can't even, <laughs> it, uh, you know, our, the little vintage campers were just a, a thing that happened and, and the eclectic way that Brian and I always put a little, 
sprinkle a bona fide magic on stuff and be like, here, come, come stay at our cool house. Uh, it's that's taken off and it's yeah. made us think about, you know, putting some other eco cabins up and utilizing more of our physical property that we have here on, on base. And then, uh, I have authored not one, but uh, working on book number two. And so uh, some publishing stuff that's going to happen and some prosperity from that. And then I'm really looking at, you know, lifestyle brand. So many people do resonate with the freedom of the open road or what we're doing in our bona fide life uh, that Brian and I and our family do make a point to play as hard as we work. Uh, you know, somewhere along the way, we all got told that you only get one two week vacation a year. And it's like, well, that's bunk. Yeah. We don't like that person, whoever made it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and we've, we've looked at the concept of, you know, work two weeks on, take two weeks off, work um, six weeks on, take a month off. Or, you know, for us, oftentimes we're still working even when we're traveling. If you can, you know, do the thing and um, we do a lot of that, but it allows you to change it up. There's, I know that I could certainly never uh, be a nine to fiver in the office again, or yeah. some of the corporate world stuff that I've done yeah. just would not resonate. Yeah. So, uh, you know, getting, just taking what comes as change down the road and looking at all the opportunities and saying, Hey, that looks good. We might pursue that a little bit more and uh, testing out of the lifestyles, talking to people yeah. like, like yourself and, There's so many people out there with great ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. Entrepreneur, that's the core of it is you get to make your own rules. (laughs) You get to do what you want. You get to build beautiful, amazing things and hand it off and do it all over again or not totally pivot. That's, that's what I love so much about entrepreneurship and all of the people that I have met are at different stages of that, which is what's so cool about doing this is meeting somebody like yourself that's towards definitely not the end, but has evolved through numerous chapters and going into a more restful state is, you know, Brian and I always joke that we're, you know, I'm just going to be 50 in August and I'm two years his senior. So, uh, you know, we're not to official retirement age yet, but you can choose a more passive income or a different lifestyle that suits your needs better than the just everyday grind. And that has been one of the biggest wake up calls is that you can do more with less sometimes and just choosing experience over dollar value is often for us, the bottom of the line. And, and how do you invest or how do you do what you do? You know, absolutely. Yeah. People ask, Oh no, you know, what kind of stock portfolio do you have? And I'm like, we don't. The, <laughs> yep, uh, haven't got there. <laughs> not, not, probably not doing that. The, uh, and you know, call me a fool or whatever, but it's like, Hey, if you get an opportunity like two years ago, mm-hmm. do you want to take your $5,000 bonus and put it in a bank at whatever percent interest? Or would you like to fly across the globe to Bali and ride motorcycles in a foreign country yeah. for five days and have an experience of a lifetime? Right. That was the best spent five thousand dollars we've ever spent it evolved into all these other things (laughs) yeah exactly and I think that that's a lot of what we talk about with like following your path and your purpose and those things are put in front of you for a reason it's it's people like yourself myself when we see those as they're always opportunities they're not it's something that you're supposed to do that leads to the next thing and as an entrepreneur it's recognizing that it is in itself opportunity and then what are you going to do with it I mean, it's, there's so many different. That's why I say there's, there's endless amounts of opportunity out there. You just have to look at them all with open eyes and a willing heart and 
you know, some opportunities, like as we recently, I was visiting with another business friend um, and we were talking about the concept of failure to yeah. that. Uh, we just sold our juice truck that we had. And uh-huh. uh, earlier you had used the word, you know, describe your empire. Uh-huh. And it was funny because two years ago and in, in 2019 or 2020, first, you know, first summer of COVID pandemic, uh, we had started what we called our little food truck empire. Uh-huh. And we had our community commissary and we had our one famous Food Network award winning truck. And uh, we had an opportunity to invest in a second truck. And it was a great business idea. It's a phenomenal business concept. Uh, just smack in the middle of a right pandemic of was bad timing. Um, and so it was one of those, like, was that a failure? Yes, in the essence of, you know, um, was it not as successful as we wanted it to be? Um, but was it also a tremendous learning curve? Absolutely. Uh, where you, and at one point, I was really hesitant to let it go, to sell it. I was like, oh, well, another season will come around, and we'll find another worker, and we'll do another thing. And then... Yeah going through the learning process as a business person and saying, at the end of the day, is it really worth stressing about this extra thing? Or can you release this concept that you had was success? And in turn, for me, it became, I want to find the right people to buy this business and run this concept that we, that I know is flawless and turnkey and ready to go. Uh And um, it took a year, but we found the perfect people. And uh, Sunshine Juice and Smoothie Company went down to Laramie and she's going to do a bang-up business at the university and the high school awesome. there. And uh, for them, it was exactly what their family wanted. They had sold another business. They wanted something that they could do with their teenagers. They could be yeah. together. Um, they had been following us for years. They're like, you guys are a great <laughs> mentors. In you can live the life that you choose along with running a business. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of full circle in that. Yeah, that's a gift. That's not a failure. You, I mean, you gifted that to somebody else. Like, what a what a beautiful thing. <laughs> right? And you, you just it's how you allow yourself to perceive whatever situation you're in. Right. There was certainly a time frame where I was like, we failed. Sunshine <laughs> sucked. Blah, blah, blah. And then you look at it and go, no, Sunshine was awesome. Yep. We had these good things going for us. And hand it off to someone else who has right. the drive and time and want for it. And Absolutely. let it shine. Sometimes it's just fun to think things up and create them. I mean, Brandon and I talked about that yesterday. We're looking at an opportunity that we may jump on, we may not. And, you know, he, he still has, he's still new at entrepreneurship, right? So he, he has this idea that he has to keep it, you know, and we've got this idea to build up. And I said, well, we don't have to keep it. What's wrong with just building a great idea, creating an amazing business, which is what you guys basically did, and handing it over to somebody else. And then from there we can do the same thing over again. Like if that's what we love, you literally can do nothing more than have the idea, create it, hand it off. And that in itself can be a profitable business. Absolutely. There's, you know, so many people don't have the steps. I, we've talked about for me, Brian was like, babe, why don't you just use your plethora of knowledge to consult people who want to open a food truck? Yeah. And I was like, well, that's a bright idea. That's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you, when you have a lot of knowledge to share with people and be that your creativity or a vision for something, there are so many that are out there just waiting for yeah. someone to hand them a, a good idea. Absolutely. So yeah. it's really fun. Well, is there anything else that the world needs to know about Anto before we wrap this up? Um, not that I can think of today. I think we covered all the bases, but... It's been such a pleasure to be able to share uh, 
your special day with you today. It's Tracy's birthday. She came all the way down here. I'm sure I wasn't <laughs> going to say that. Um, but we just really enjoy family time and grateful to be able to to be a part of this. And I hope that when it gets out there into the big world, uh, you know, find me on Instagram at evenstarmotoevangelist. You can also follow our food truck adventures at Bonafide Food Love. And then because, you know, just having two of something isn't enough, there is also <laughs> at It's a Bam Life, uh, three different Instagrams in which you can follow our adventures, our website at bonafidefoodlove.com. Always has something fun going on there with all the things that we're doing. And uh, I'll let Tracy know when you guys can get Even Star Moto Evangelist merchandise. We'll definitely and, be buying it up. And, <laughs> well, this was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again for, for being here. It's an honor.